Has anything noticed anything different about me this morning? The tie, that's right. It is an Easter tie, and it's mine. Uh, but anyway, isn't it wonderful? Just the joy, just being here together. You know, believing in Jesus' resurrection is crucial because the very foundation of our Christian belief system rests upon Jesus' physical resurrection. If they're without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we might as well just close the doors, turn off the lights, and just leave. Why would we be here if we did not, and Jesus was not resurrected? And we need to understand that if there isn't a resurrection, then Christianity would be reduced to nothing more than a false, empty religion. Have any of you ever had the opportunity, whatever, to save someone? Like maybe someone in a pool was, was drowning, whatever, you had to save them. Anybody have that, that, that opportunity or God used you? Yeah, the Heimlich rem, uh, Maneuver is always, a, is always a, a, a one that, that happened years ago when I was working for uh, a, a, doing a store in school. Uh, I was in the meat department and uh, and this is early evening, and a young boy from the produce department came running over to me, and he couldn't talk. I knew something was wrong because all of a sudden his collar was it was just and he was pointing to his mouth. He was pointing, and uh, so we t- turned him around, and I did the Heimlich on him. I went underneath his diaphragm and just grabbed my left wrist to my right and just pulled. And that piece of lettuce just popped out, oh, out of his mouth. And we could say that was a rescue. It was, because what would have happened if, you know, he, he, would, have, he would have died, you know? But his, re- his rescue was only temporary. It wasn't lasting. Only Jesus' rescue is permanent, lasts forever. Jesus rescued us on the cross. When he was resurrected, that rescued us totally and completely. So this morning, I want to talk about, uh, my first thought is going to be uh, Christ, Jesus, and the resurrection. But I want to talk about his res- that Jesus' rescue is complete. I want us to look at John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, and then verse 36. So listen uh, closely. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. How often have we heard that verse? I mean, we probably had that one memorized. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Very, very, very clear about the resurrection. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. That's difficult for a lot of people today because they don't want a God that judges they want a God with good feelings that he's just going to supply all of their needs. There's going to be no hassle, and I just want to be saved. 
They don't like to hear God's judgment. We basically, in church, do not like to hear fire and brimstone messages. But God is very clear here what, what needs to be done and why Jesus came. And then in verse 36, it says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath, wrath remains on them. The, res, the resurrection contains the ABCs of the faith. Verse 16 reveals God's plan for this broken world more than any other verse in the Bible. God completed his rescue, uh, his, his rescue plan for us. That he saved us. How? By sacrificing his most precious possession his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, as we know, for our debts, our sins that separate us from God. Sin separates us. That's why it is important for all of us, every Christian, and some have difficulty with this, but it's true that each day we sin because we live in this world, this fallen world. And when we sin, it creates a problem with God. He still loves us. We're saved. But in order to be reconciled to him, we need to confess our sins. This, what, what I just read to you, it really conveys just how much God loves us. Those who believe this, that's good news. But those who do not believe... It's bad news. Are you with me? Okay. We're going to have to rev this up a little bit more, I believe. Verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever uh, rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. Have you ever heard of universal salvation? Have you ever heard the, heard the term? That's very big today. It's been big for all through the centuries, but it's really very evident today. Universal salvation really says, rejects this verse because they believe that Jesus' atoning death, that Jesus Christ died for the world. Yes, he did. He died for the world, but for them it means that all people will be saved. There's no accountability with universal salvation. None. It's Jesus died for all. That's it. No repentance, nothing. Because eventually, eventually, you will wind up in heaven. There's something wrong with that theology. And what is today? We hear so many people say, <clears throat> the theology today is, I sound like I'm really picking on, the, on, on society, but we need to understand what's going on, is people say, well, God means different things to different people. Again, there's some truth to that. You know, we're all individuals, and so therefore, God might touch you in a certain way, touch Chris in a certain way, whatever. But it's the same Jesus. So what society, society is saying today is there are different ways to get to God, to, to heaven. There's, I won't mention, there's this religion and that religion. As long as people are sincere, then they will wind up with God in heaven. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what I read. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except what? Through him. That's it. I don't make the rules. You don't make the rules. This is God's plan for salvation. That's why it is so important. And we move so far away from that these days that our culture has really changed even biblical perspective. Some people even eliminate certain scriptures that apply that, God is, that Jesus is the only way because it makes them feel uncomfortable. Well, you know, if it makes a person feel uncomfortable, that could be a very good thing because maybe God or the Spirit is convicting them. Amen? And amen. So, salvation, I believe, is a choice. And it's not God's fault that some people choose hell, ignore his gift of eternal life. It is what it is. Sometimes we, we soften that, we backpedal, but you can't because this is too important. You know, we're only here for only a certain amount of time and then we move on to the next life. The question always is, where are we going to be in the next life? Are we going to be with Jesus or not? And this leads us to, to uh, number two. And I want really to hone in on this because this is where, where skeptics have difficulty with, really, did Jesus literally, was he, did, he, did he come alive from, from, from the tomb? And so... Uh, my thought here is, where's the proof that Jesus rose from the dead? Let's look at John 20, verses 24 through 29. It's a fabulous uh, dialogue we see between the disciples and, and doubting Thomas or whatever. We know that, just kind of review this a little bit, that Jesus is resurrected and he appeared to all the disciples except for one, for Thomas. So let's pick up verses 24 through 29. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in, the, in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into a side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was there with them. Though the doors were locked, I find this interesting, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I want to stop right there. You could do a sermon right there and stop. It isn't interesting. The door was locked. So how did Jesus appear? He walked through. You know, that tells us, you know, you could really do a long ser uh, series on the resurrection and, and our resurrected bodies. But it tells us something about our resurrected bodies. Our bodies will be resurrected like Jesus' body was. So that means we will be able to do in heaven different things than we do here on earth. We will not be limited in heaven, but on earth we are, we are limited. Move on to 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. 
Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas doubted and needed proof that Jesus had been physically raised from the dead. And we have all this proof that Jesus actually rose from the grave. And it's interesting that yet so many people still will reject all uh, this proof, evidence that we have. Even Bible scholars, as, as a whole, they believe that Jesus' tomb was empty, that the empty tomb was not a hoax. And then you have the historical documentation, the prophecies that predicted both Jesus' life, his death and resurrection, hundreds of years before they happened. Do you realize how many prophecies in the Old Testament had predicted Jesus and just talked about Christ and his life and resurrection? Over 300. Over 300. How would that stand up in a courtroom today? If I'm to, or you were to prove that Jesus actually was resurrected, if you brought all this evidence out, how would that stand up to a jury? And the third evidence, hundreds of people witnessed that Jesus was alive after he was crucified. Hundreds of them. And at one point, 500 witnessed Christ. And to me, the fourth one is really, really profound. Of all those eyewitnesses that witnessed Christ alive again after he died, their lives were changed. They became different people. And many of them, many of them, risked their lives just to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. Why would anybody, you know, just lie about something like that? Would you lie for a, would you, would you sacrifice for a lie? Would you risk your lives for a lie? They did. They did that. And to me, that is so amazing because it also speaks to us as well. That God transforms people today. You know, I am amazed. I, it's so wonderful to hear testimonies of people that have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in their hearts. And we see how God has changed them, changed their lives, changed their thought process. That's what Christ does. He changes he changes life. He changes life. Believing in Jesus' resurrection goes deeper than just knowing empirical facts about him. Remember what Jesus said in verse 29. He said, Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed. All the disciples except Thomas saw Jesus first. Thomas had to wait for another time. Then Jesus appeared to Thomas. And what did Jesus say? He said, touch me. Now, I'm, these are my thoughts here. Isn't it interesting, if we were back 
with his disciples, and you're Thomas. And Jesus appears to the 11, to the, 11 the others. But he didn't appear to you. How would that make you feel? Golly. You know, they're all excited. Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's alive. We saw him. We really did. We touched him. He's alive. And he's thinking, well, what about me? What about me? Thomas had to wait. He had to wait. And maybe that week for him was a very, very long week. I don't believe for one moment that Thomas was a doubter as much as he was a believer who simply questioned looking for proof. I believe it when I see him. I believe it when I see it. I believe it when I can touch him. This is, yes, it is. I feel his marks, his, his side, his, his hands. Now I believe. And Jesus said, well, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Sometimes we wait for an answer for God to respond. Maybe you don't. Maybe some don't pray and ask God to intervene in your life. But when you pray and you seek the Lord, sometimes don't we wait for the answer? We're waiting for Jesus to respond. And sometimes during that waiting period, that waiting period enables us to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Sometimes God plants it that way. So if you're in a period of waiting, waiting for an answer, waiting for God to respond, then praise God for that. Because I believe he has something very special planned for you. I've shared this, and I think it's really appropriate here that I was not a Christian halfway, first part of my daughter's battle with leukemia. And I can remember that she contacted, this is what, I don't know, what, a year in Jan or whatever. Oh, three months, okay. She, well, they were trying to get her into remission, and she, con- she uh, attracted a type of pneumonia that only attacks kids with leukemia, and it's usually a killer. And I can remember, I can remember that all the, doc- the team of doctors said to us, she's not going to make it through the night. Her, her lungs are just black. There's no, the air is just, just bouncing right off her lungs. She's not going to make it. And I can remember as I was sitting there in the hallway waiting to see her and had all of her, her nurses or, or intensive care nurses passing us by and they couldn't even look at us. And I can remember I sat there and I, with my wedding ring, I was holding my, just kind of twirling my, my, my ring on my fingers I said, Jan, I said, if she dies, I'll never accept it. If she dies, I will never, ever accept this. Jan, that night, that's when Jan came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. She wasn't as difficult as I was. 
you know. She prayed basically, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand it, but I'm somehow, I'm going to pray that your will be done. You'll use this for, and she was not a, a born-again Christian. That was her moment. You can ask yourself the question, why? Why? I believe, and this is, and we've talked about this through the years, that she, she made it. For it was a miracle. The doctors come out to us and said, she's going to make it, but it's only because of a miracle. They said, we could tell you if she would have died, we could have told you why she died, but we cannot tell you why she's living. That's a miracle. I believe with all my heart he did it for me because I wasn't ready. If she would have died, I wouldn't be here. At that moment, I would not be here standing before you. God has his way. He has his way of working through our lives. He knows the timing, when we will accept him, or when we walk away, whatever. God knows all of that. So that waiting, waiting can be good. So if you're waiting for something, then praise God for that. He's got something special for you. Trust in that waiting. Trust in that waiting. And then we're going to finish with number three, enjoy the ride. Okay, Mike, we're going to finish up on a high note here, hopefully. And we're going to be looking at Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. It's interesting with Psalm 23, because many equate Psalm 23 with a funeral. You know, you go to the funeral and you hear the pastor talk or preach on Psalm 23. I've done Psalm 23 so many times uh, doing, during, uh, doing a committal service. But there's more to Psalm 23 than just the death thing. It's, uh, uh, the author, David, is talking about life. Life, living this life, and journeying to that place when we all leave this earth, this planet. So I want to break this down verse by verse for you. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's my translation. David understood that God cared for him the way David had cared for a sheep. David was a shepherd. So he said, the Lord is my shepherd. He's going to take care of me like I take care of my sheep. So he used that kind of illustration in this passage. And then he said in verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. This is an illustration of how, of how God leads us to places and situations where we find his rest, where we find his comfort, where we find his peace, where we find his strength. And those places are in your lives. Wherever you are, God can give you strength. He can give you comfort. He can give you peace. He can give you whatever it is to get you through your situation. He will do that for you. He'll do that for you. Verse 3, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for my name's sake. What does he mean there? He provides our souls with spiritual nourishment. God gives us divine tools to nourish our souls. He gives us the word. 
You need to be in your Bibles. If you're not, there's nourishment there. He nourishes us through His Holy Spirit that lives in us. The Spirit teaches us, gives us power, truth, convicts us. Another tool is prayer. Be in prayer. Even if you feel like you're just praying to the wall, be in prayer. God will show up. If you're serious in your heart, God will show up in your life, in your prayer. Find your Christian friends, those that know the Lord. That sometimes you just need to pray with another brother and sister in Christ. You need another perspective to get you through that situation, wherever it is. God uses other people to help us get through our stuff. All because, all because of our propensity to sin while living under the influence of this fallen world. Verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, the shadow of death, that's another translation, I fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. Death is passing from this present life into our eternal life, hopefully with God. I say hopefully because you need to be in Christ. See, only Jesus can walk us through that darkest valley. I know for some of you here, you have ministered to a loved one who is dying. in the hallway and she said you people better get back in here she's dying taking those breaths I say all of this because of what David said in the 23rd Psalm that no matter where we are when you are ministering to a loved one whatever it is when your moment comes 
only Jesus Christ can walk you through that valley. My part for my sister was just to bring her to that point of awareness. But then I had to back away and say, now Jesus, you do it. You do it. I can't do that. Only you can do that. I believe that's what Dave was saying in this, in verse 4. In verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. The enemy is always lurking. Satan is always out there. Satan is the one that said, why come to church? You don't need to go to church. You know, you can, you can pray at home. Who needs the Bible? Who needs church? That's all. That's not real stuff anyway. Just get on with your life. Don't waste your time. That's just Satan. That's how he blows and whispers in our ears. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we are under the umbrella of God's love, strength, grace, mercy, and provisions. Even in the presence of our enemies, even when we are getting beaten up in this world, even when we feel so alienated from God, then we're reminded what 1 John 4, 4, greater is he is in me than he who is in the world. God is always the conqueror. No matter what you are going through in your life right now, God conquers all. And finally, verse 6. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here David takes us beyond this present life into the glorious future of dwelling with God forever. As we live longer, you know, we'll attend more and more funerals. That's just what life is about. We, we just, and you know what I'm talking about. You know, it'd be friends. I've, I've buried a congregation. I'll be honest with you. I've buried a congregation. And of all the people that I minister to in their time of death, I've also tried to minister to their family. To the grieving family and it's all the same we all grieve we grieve differently but we grieve for the loss of loved one one day now I'm closer than most of you here I am playing the back nine and so I am closer to that time than you guys Harvey he's probably never thinking about death praise God don't because I wasn't your age I wasn't either it just isn't natural you know, but if you follow the normal course of life, then you just say, whoa, that guy's what? He's ancient. You know, he's close, he's close, he's close. But it doesn't matter because we grieve. We grieve for when we lose a loved one. That is just a natural thing to do. But remember this. The resurrection makes the anticipation of reunion with one another, if you're in Christ, that much sweeter. When we die, we have this guarantee as believers in Christ that we will see a loved one, a friend, a brother and sister 
on the other side. That should make living this life that much sweeter. It's not over here. This is only the beginning. This is the training ground for what is to come. The Bible says we live on this earth, what, 70, 80 years with good health? And in terms of eternity, that is just a speck. It's over like that. And then we really begin to live in Christ. You're gonna, we're going to spend more time in eternity because it's eternal than our limited time right here. Get down your old annuals or your old you know, folders, whatever. Take a look at yourself. Or if you've been married for as long as we have, oh my goodness, I take a look at our, when we were married, what we looked like. Jan just looked like she just robbed the cradle. a while you know all of us isn't it true we look so young young and just ready to take on the world but we know that that the cycle of life you know it, it takes us down that path as we get older and older and it just reminds us that one day we're all gonna die that's it but that's not it that's just the beginning of living in Christ. How cool is that going to be? That, my friends, is resurrection. That's why Jesus died on that cross and was resurrected for us, for our sins to make us right with God. Praise God for Easter. Enjoy the ride, my friends, for it makes the journey more fruitful, meaningful, knowing what a wonderful climatic ending is in store for all who believe. This is not the end. This is not the end. If you're not sure that Jesus is the Messiah, if you're not sure that Jesus Christ is alive then let Jesus help you overcome your fears your doubts your anxieties by making one simple decision choose to follow Christ and for those of you that are really struggling with this what I just said what I've been talking about and you're really just here maybe because it's Easter and it's something we do every year. God is telling you, he's speaking to your heart. He's saying it's more than just once a year. I didn't die for you just once a year. I died for you each and every day. That so that one day as you believe in me, then when you die, the first person you're going to see is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So, I'm going to pray. And if you're not sure, you can pray this prayer along with me in your heart. And Jesus will help you make the decision to follow him. Remember, this is not brain surgery. God did not make this difficult for any of us. 
He just says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Open up your hearts. If you're not sure, then pray this prayer in your heart so you can be sure. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you so much for this day. So, Lord, I pray for a brother and sister here that is just struggling with your truth, truth of the resurrection. And, Lord, I pray that you might convict them, help them to pray these words so they can be sure, Lord, that you are real, you are alive. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Help me to believe this day that you are the Messiah, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord. I want to want to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we close and we have our, our final